Do you like good deals? Because I like good deals too. And Castle Massey is doing their soaps up to 33% off through January 21st. And then you get an additional 30% off on top of that when you use the coupon code OutlanderCast at checkout. Seriously, guys, don't wait. Take advantage of this right now. Hello, people of the internet. My name's Alyssa from Colorado, and you are listening to OutlanderCast with Mary and Blake. Toodles! All the way from Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to OutlanderCast. It's a podcast dedicated to the show Outlander on Stars. Everybody, how's it going? My name's Mary Larson. My name's Blake. You know, and I'm I'm here. I'm with my beautiful bride. I'm drinking some wine, some uh, Apothic Crush, if you will. This episode brought to you by Apothic Crush. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not at all. <laughs> Just free publicity. There you go. And I am ready for the Outlander Cast listener feed. I love the agenda-free feeling of this yes. whole episode. I, I this has quickly become my favorite part of this whole Outlander cast endeavor. Doing the listener feedback episodes, having fun with it, ranking on people, kicking people in and out of the circle of trust. What? Yep. This is my favorite part. You're bonkers. My but favorite yes, part. Yes, I understand. Maybe it's because I'm a glass of wine in already. Maybe, Probably. Maybe it is. You well, know what, my love? Let's clink to it. Here we go. That's my girl. <laughs> well, before we get into the rest of the show, if you're brand new here, hi, welcome. So happy you're here. We would love for you to follow and subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, all by just searching the title Outlander Cast. But we all know, sadly, it's like a swear word. It's coming up. The dreaded Droughtlander season, it's about to begin. Shame. And you may want to hear more from Blake and I during that time. You may not, but you may want to now that we're your buddies. So to be sure to keep following us on social media as well as YouTube, all you need to do is search the handle Mary and Blake. You can find us on Facebook. Just search Mary and Blake. Keep on up to date with all of our podcasts, especially This Is Us 2. This Is Us 2, which is dedicated to This Is Us. It's also returned this week. You can also see all of the blogs, events, giveaways, everything else we do at Mary and Blake Media. You ready to get into it, Mary? Yeah, bet. All right, all right, all right. What did I tell you, Marvin? Told you I was gonna get the all right, all right, all right. I know, I know you did. Oh, look at you, so fancy. You can always count on me. All right, so we had some feedback on the website by Pat Jackson. She said the drawing of Phaedra reckoned me back to Jack's capturing Claire's image from the Garrison Commander. Kind of a subtle homage to her Randall's side. Well, let's let's think about this a little bit more. Let's discern this out let's here. Let's get a little, a little bit. deep. We're gonna deep get dive. a little deep. She ain't a Randall, not a Randall. At all. There's no blood from Randall's in it. Randall raised, Blake. Randall raised. Randall raised, not Randall bred. I mean, maybe, maybe, you know. Could have rubbed off. Yeah. Maybe that's what she did with her dad. Maybe she drew. Uh, we, we wouldn't even know because we haven't seen it. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> this one comes from Mo C. She says, hi, Blake and Mary. This episode brought me out of my lurking state. And I have read other comments on this site and others. And I haven't yet seen one that addresses what plans and intent Murtaugh would have had for Bonnet. Once he captured him, he had not been captured himself. I mean, had he not been captured himself, his directive was to capture Bonnet and bring him to Jamie so that Jamie could do the honors and personally kill him. Yet, the point at which Murtaugh captures Bonnet, Jamie is still en route to Mohawk country and is months away from returning to North Carolina. So, what would he have done with Bonnet for all those months, just waiting for Jamie's return. There was no discussion oh between Fergus and Murtaugh. I know what I would have done. What would you have done? I would have tied him up in the Clarence 
kit and caboodle. And just fed them carrots. Just and... fed them all. the. I mean, those carrots look good. The cabbage, <laughs> everything that they fed Clarence looks delicious. So they didn't even have a plan B. Like, for example, like we have to... You know that he would have been like, Marcelie, um, while I'm here... Can we just keep this guy in your kitchen floor yeah, too? Yeah, he's just gonna be here. He's just gonna. I mean, don't go around him. Mm. Like, don't, don't don't like talk to him or nothing. Yeah, he's liable to bite. Such a good point. Like, seriously, <laughs> what the heck were they gonna do with this guy? So we got to seize the moment and kill him while we can. You know, Jamie, uh, we he, we he'll understand that we have no choice, or perhaps maybe even something like, I know of a great meat locker in Chelsea we can use till Jamie come, gets back. Yeah, New England local reference. It kind of would have been like the um, the locker that Mad Eye Mooney was shoved in the entire time. You're a wizard, Harry. You know Absolutely, what I'm about? yes. That's what it would have been like. Polyjuice potion or yep. some some kind of thing going on. He would have been in that locker. Uh, no, you know, I should go back and say that the right way. You know, I know of a wicked good meat locker over in Chelsea that we can use until you know Jamie he gets he gets back on the horse and he comes back. <laughs> or we can beat him senseless and sell him to the Mohawk. Just yeah. kidding, of course. And I'm sure that this all has to do with only two episodes left, you know, the writing, etc. But it does nag at me. Hmm. It is a little bit of a niggle, I will say. Hmm. Beverly wrote in saying, I have to say that all things considered, the pantry probably was the safest place for Judge Alderdice, Alderdice, I hope I'm saying it right, and Lord John. I'm Ron Burgundy? You know, the judge. The slaves don't live in the house, so there wasn't much of a threat of being caught in the middle of the night, and neither of them wanted to be seen entering or exiting each other's bedrooms. Everyone else was sleeping upstairs, and the walls aren't exactly soundproof, so this is probably the safest way to do that. I'm more worried about Murtaugh. Even if he breaks out of jail, he's still in trouble because of the regulators, so how is he supposed to stay in the show unless the charges are dropped entirely? I'm hoping that Lord John could save him, since he knows the governor, but obviously, Governor Tryon wants an example made of Murtaugh. And Lord John isn't in any position of power the way he was at Ardsmuir or in Jamaica. He's just a Virginia plantation owner here. So how could he get the charges dropped? Still, it is his role to save the Fraser family, whether it be Claire, Brianna, or Murtaugh. I'd like to see Lord John help Murtaugh. Like you said last week, that everyone could use a Murtaugh. But everyone should have a Lord John in their lives too. Well, uh, you know, Beverly, you do bring up a salient point and... How are they going to keep Murtaugh on the show if he doesn't die in prison or whatever? And there are a couple of ways that I think they can keep him on the show. One, if you go back to listen to our History of Regulators episode, you'll note that most of the leaders of the Regulators were actually let go. I mean, they were brought up on charges, but they weren't killed or hanged. Some of them were. Some of them just escaped. Uh, So I think there's a way that they can have him avoid being hanged but i also think that if he just avoids law enforcement he can actually just wait it out at least in terms of story and hindsight being 2020 he can just wait it out to the revolution Mm -hmm. and when the revolution hits nobody's going to care about these regulators no especially in north carolina north carolinians were happy to join the revolution so like I don't think anybody's going to get... You can keep Murtaugh on the show. There, there's, a, there's a way, I think, to make that happen. On Facebook, Tara Sega says she always enjoys our podcast, but the, my main feeling is that they're publishing or they're pushing the whole feminist agenda way too hard. She says that Marcelie and Bree and Claire, every woman except Lizzie, Lizzie is feisty. They're a superwoman. Diana's books are balanced. Her men are equally as feisty and strong. And the show goes out of its way to show strong women, but it's not realistic to the time hmm. period. Marvin, what say you? I don't know. I didn't live then. <laughs> I agree. But do you think that they're showing that each character is feisty in this particular manner? And and is it reasonable to, to compare uh, this feistiness to the, real, the realism of the time period? Well, I will say this, Tara. I'm a feisty woman. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think they're, I like it, and I don't know if women back then were a little bit demure. I mean, look at the pie hussy. She was feisty. She's feisty because she's a, she's a tramp. She's, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, Tara. That's a good question, funny but I don't how know. The, funny how the, the pie hussy has just disappeared. Maybe she helps Murtaugh. 
She needs to come back. They need to have the pie hussy one uh, they, more they time. Got, they got Even z- if she just walks around. They, they got they got zero chance of having the pie hussy come back. There's no time left. You reuse your extras. I mean, they're already there. <laughs> Anne-Marie said, Blake and Mary, I'm currently listening to the podcast episode, and at this moment, it is being discussed about Bree's language and accent. This was, in my opinion, great writing and acting. Here's Sophie with small facial expressions, head tilting, using her eyes to act. She is visibly displaying a person trying so hard not to say or do the wrong thing like a fish out of water I loved seeing this as it is something I struggle with daily don't curse speak (laughs) properly stand up straight remember to smile however still not sure how the psychology conversation got greenlit awkward yes it was awkward yeah and I I struggle with not swearing (laughs) Mm. constantly Mm -hmm. (laughs) Gina Mulder says I'm a book reader and I loved it this episode Yes, there were holes in the story, but it's 13 episode. I love the books, but they have a lot of superfluous action that is difficult to adapt. I thought the Lord John Gray music theme was fabulous, and I felt like a god himself had appeared. As for Bree, I always found her unlikable un- unlikable and pe- petulant in the books, and I like her much more in the adaptation of the television show. My only complaint is that the occasional insertion of 21st century sensibilities attributed to Claire and Brie. The 1960s had different social mores than today, and Maria Kennedy Doyle is outstanding as Jocasta. I thought the scenes with Murtaugh and Fergus in Marsali were terrific. You know, it's funny. Um, I, I, are they putting modern things into the show? Uh, maybe. Maybe, but I, I also feel like Brie is an activist at this time. So for her to have the same kind of modern sensibilities that we would now in 2018, I, I find that reasonable. And I find that Claire as a woman who became a doctor, yeah. someone who had to hold her own and fight for herself, she people. was she herself, I think, is forward thinking. So is it unreasonable for those two characters that, that's baked into their DNA to be forward thinking, to have the same kind of sensibilities that we would today in our society? I don't. I don't think it's unreasonable. Actually, I think it's. I think it's fairly plausible. All right. All right. All right. Well. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. <laughs> Michelle McCall Dute says in your podcast, you mentioned the odd tone Sophie takes when doing the psychology talk over dinner. This isn't the first time she does it. In season three, when she and Roger are walking around Frank's memorial at Harvard, her tone is off when she's talking to Roger about the architecture. Now seeing it again, maybe it's Bree's nervousness in sounding confident. In both cases, I think she was she was a little nervous because she was with someone she was trying to impress for the first time or fit in with. Bree's also very young and I remember being in my late teens early 20s trying to sound important and knowledgeable. Well put Michelle well put and that's why I said I don't know what it is Um, the awkwardness is coming off to me. Sure. So if that's on purpose well done. You know I I try to uh, sound you know important and knowledgeable uh, every day on this podcast, so I feel like I can I can get on board with that. So we're going to take a little break to tell you that all of Castle Massey's products are free of sulfates, phthalates, artificial additives, and they're all cruelty-free and proudly made right here in the U.S. You already know about Castle Massey's great line of bath and body products, and now through January 21st is the perfect time to try them out. Because through the 21st, Castle Massey is holding a huge bath and body sale. Soaps, lotions, creams, essential oils, and more are all marked down up to 33% off. So you can try out anything from their entire bath and body collection at a huge discount. Including the number six. Here comes the General Washington. Sorry. I just had to put I have to put it in there. <laughs> They're wild crafted and organic essential oil blends and more are on sale. So on top of that, of course, on top of that 33% discount, you, you listening right now, because you listen to OutlanderCast, you get to take advantage of an additional 30% off coupon. All you have to do is enter the code OutlanderCast at checkout. I'm going to tell you guys, that means you could potentially have 63% discount. If you're like, guys, you're talking about a soap. I am telling you, this is the gosh darn best soap oh my God, it's that easily. has entered the Larson household. And you know the thing I noticed too? It's freaking huge. It yeah. lasts forever. It's it will, a big it soap. will last you it's a, a month. It's a big soap. It's not like the, it's not like the other soap, like Irish Spring, that's like comes like half the size now. No. No, 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 no. No, I, no, no, no. I, 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 I tried to buy it, lasted for like a week. It sucks. 
No, you get you get this one. Get the castle mask. It's oversized. It smells great. Feels good on your skin. And it's uh, it's cruelty free. It's made right here in America. There you go. It's wicked American. Okay, email time. This one comes from Casey. She says, "I have been enjoying the podcast all season. Thank you." And she says, "I too love Harry Potter and the musicals." You're a wizard, Harry. So, so thank you for creating the Atlanta Cast Clan, a great place for Obsassanock discussions. Yes, go to AtlantaCastClan.com where you can get all the good stuff there. But she said, I would love to join you for the finale party in my old hometown, but won't be able to get away from Vermont. She says she's a fellow Rhode Islander, but somehow escaped the accent. And she always re- smiles when we reference the market. That's right. Go, <laughs> go and get some deli meats for the pregnant ladies down at Star Market. Um she said this episode got 4.7 kilts because a lot happened. The good was Lord John Gray and the look on the faces of the other suitors when he arrives. And poor Pippin. I liked his part in the book when Lord John comes and around to help Bree with her situation. And what an offer. He can't have Jamie, but maybe his daughter. Pippin meaning Forbes. Yes, yeah, sure. <laughs> no, he's forever known as Pippin. I know, but there are some people who are listening who are not the giant nerds that we are who love all things Lord of the Rings. <laughs> One ring to rule them all. Or to propose to Bree with. Julie will have to go to give... What, wait, hold on. Time out. Hold on. What? Here what? it is. Julie will have to give Blake another tally in the wind column for his outlandish mm. theories, by the way. And uh, opening sequence spotting, by the way, it's Brie coming down the stairs at Riverrun. Yeah. And she actually thought it was Joe Casta. But my husband guessed when Brie decided to read Jamie's letter after talking with Lord John. The bad. Uh, first one was the edit during Brie and Lord John's hot-to-hot conversation. Hot-to-hot. I said out loud, Blake is going to freak out. Were they in a hurry to get us through Droughtlander and show us to skimp on the time in the editing room? And two, Caleb's skeleton. How long has it been? It's crazy that Ian would recognize him, and it's nice they gave him a proper burial, but did you notice that the actor who played Caleb, his name is James McKenzie? I was wondering if he was a replacement for a character in the book, but we shall see. And the great, of course, was number one, the Mohawk Village. She says that she worked at a couple of history and anthropology museums around New England, and it's great that the show built Weedus and Longhouses. Number two, Claire and Jamie finally reconnect. We may not be on the ridge anymore watching Hewen Hewen logs, but the journey north has given Claire and Jamie time to talk. The most dialogue between the two in quite a long time. And the camping rumpy pumpy was a bonus. Right. Have you noticed that this is like the first time they've actually sat down and like had a conversation together in a while, wouldn't you say? Yeah. I totally agree. Okay. Well, Jessica wrote in saying, I've been a faithful listener since season two. You keep me company on my morning walk, which... You make longer twice a week. Yes. Yay, Jessica. I'm weighing in about episode 411 because I feel like it might not get the consideration it should from other viewers. While not an episode that elicits all the feels, so much plot happened. I'm giving it 4.5 kilts because of the tension and the urgency this episode conveyed. My good. The touching scene on the porch between Bree and Lord John Gray when he speaks of how much he loves his own non-biological son and how Roger could do the same. In this moment, I feel Lord John Gray is is truly kind to Bray because of his he's a good-hearted nature not because he has Jamie as an ulterior motive I'm pleased the writers are showing Lord John Gray's complexity and not relegating him to a one-dimensional gay character that could be so tempting after showing us the pantry pumpy <laughs> well done Jessica Bam. well done a winner well the done. Pantry, pantry Pumpy. Her good was the touching. Oh. oh, I already read that. Her bad. Oh, no, she has two of them. Yes. The Roger shower scene. Even I, a book reader, did a double take. I can't buy it as a daydream because there's no comparison between a hot, steamy shower and that cold river. Thank you. It felt like the writers wanted to stick it to book readers with a gotcha. Very rude. I felt cheated. And the overuse of the word hope. It was part of the title. And almost every main character said it at some point in the episode. Yes, we get it. Stop hammering us over the head with it. It's a 
another example of the overwriting that we saw from episode 410 and her great, not just great, glorious, the suitors maneuvering for Bree's attention at the dinner party. I could practically feel them salivating over her. Kind of gross, actually. Those actors did an amazing job of all the facial expressions as they tried to one-up each other and then bemoaned the appearance of Lord John Gray. They all looked like sad, little defeated puppies. (laughs) This one comes from uh, Christine. She says... Mary and Blake, thank you for making me laugh. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for making me want to participate. You're welcome. And thank you for your honesty and sharing clever, thought-provoking, and interesting ideas about my obsession. Yes. You're welcome. This is a four and a half kilt episode, and after some real hot pumping, was it is it was it pantry pumping or pantry, pantry pumpy? pumpy? Yeah, uh, <laughs> all the feels episodes. This was a connector episode. It wasn't awful, but it wasn't Wilmington or the wedding. For the good, I liked the cold open. I know that isn't a popular opinion, but I hated the end of four ten with Roger at the Stones. We all know Roger isn't going home. He would leave Bree behind. So why would they end at the Stones with Roger getting ready to touch them? You can't repeat both sides now when Claire reached for the Stones with a very similar music, by the way. But I think they redeemed themselves with the cold open and Roger in a dream state. I thought it was a good follow-up, and I, too, want to know, how the heck did he get back to the Mohawks? The bad. Seriously, will people just stop beating up on Raja, both literally and figuratively? The Mohawk can stop using him as a punching bag already, please. And we as fans can stop comparing him to the books. The show is the show. Yes. Bam! Just like that. A winner! Commandment number one. Thank you, Christine. The man grew up in the 50s and the 60s in the Highlands with a Scottish minister as his father. Sorry, he's not going to be in the forefront of the feminist movement. He loves Bree, and Bree loves him. Neither he nor Bree are nearly as worldly as Claire and Jamie when they were at the same age. They don't know how to communicate. Neither had a good role models for effective relationship communication growing up. And if we are allowed to break the commandments and compare him to the book, Book Roger had missteps too. I just wish that the show gave their relationship more time to develop. And the great, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. How great is this stress? There are only two episodes left. Please, no. And Christine, I actually want to applaud you for your grammar here. Oh. Because one of my pet peeves in life, one of my greatest pet peeves in life, is when people use the phrase neither or nor and either or or. Sometimes they mix the two. Neither nor. Whenever you say or. neither, it's supposed if you're, to be nor. It's supposed to be neither nor yeah. or either or. Okay. But some people say like neither or or either nor, and it drives me freaking bananas. Oh, well, I'm glad I do it right. So it's thank you very much for uh, for that proper grammar. Veronica said, after more calm thinking and fan discussions, I've decided to give this 4.75 kilts. My good, everything about Lord John Gray, the way he walks, talks, dresses, smiles, every single moment of him on screen He's dreaming. is a treat. Yes. Loved the scene when he tells Bree about William, agreeing that he is just like his father. Oh, if only Bree knew. And the way he saw right through her BS and knew what made her behave the way she did. He might be her fiancé now, but he is certainly acting as the best father figure and friend one could wish for. Another good is Marcelie. I think she got to hang out with Jenny during her younger years and took notes about how to be the most amazing marriage partner. And Fergus as a daddy is absolutely adorable. My bad, as much as I hate to admit it, the realization that even though Sophie can be wonderful... She struggles with having to speak with an American accent and acting at the same time. (laughs) My great is Jamie and Claire's talk at the end. Jamie's pain and despair were so visceral. And Claire finally saw it and was able to share her pain with him. And by then I was openly weeping when she said, you are a fool. With that amazing tenderness, I completely lost it. There, I am sorry to each other, wasn't in the script. 
they added it themselves. Oh. Hearing those words and seeing their tears was more satisfying than any sex. And P.S. The location of their sexual encounter of Lord John Gray and the judge didn't bother her. In the book, the situation is not much better. It's actually worse, in her opinion, because Bree sees John coming out of the male slave's barracks with his shirt sleeves and messy hair. She also notices that he is not drooling all over her like the other suitors and puts two and two together. I'm just so happy the show didn't go the way and choose a man of, and by having him choose a man of equal societal status and free will as his sexual partner. I Hmm. totally agree with that. I would agree with that too. Okay, OutlanderCastClan.com. My girl Angela chimes in. She says this, Mary, I have to agree with Blake. This was kind of lame makeup sex. The conversation was great, (laughs) but we were due for more on the sex pod. Oh, okay, okay. Blake, they actually have shown redrawing in the past, as a matter of fact, because I said in the last episode that they really haven't alluded to Brianna uh, drawing in this in this uh, in this show so far. Okay, she says she actually drew quite a beautiful sketch in class in episode three hundred five of the cloister arcs at Harvard in quotations that fascinated her. Brie is very artistic in the books, although the show manufactured the whole "let me draw you" Phaedra thing. <laughs> That's the, my sound the, of how that makes me feel. The firstly bit, which I, I refuse to call firstly, it's Margus. Let's just get it right. I don't care what anybody says. I don't says. like either of them. I, I like, like Margus. both of their names on their own. No. Marsley and Fergus. I like Margus, uh, the, the, which we both praised, by the way. I know. I know. Uh, I'm just it, saying. No, no. She, she said the, the whole part between Margus that we praised annoyed Angela. Oh, and as a book no. reader for several reasons, by the way, there it happened organically and made much more sense in the book. Jenny asked Jamie to ask Ian to join his militia. Jamie and Ian have a history of fighting side by side always, and that felt completely natural, and it fit as Jamie was assembling a militia for the rising. The suggestion to build up Ian's self confidence fit Jenny. She knew Jamie would always want Ian by his side in battle. And if Jamie did not even ask, Ian would feel like Jamie saw him as less than a man. His self-confidence would be trashed even more. Uh. However, to take the time from this episode to wedge this unrelated little plan and dilemma in here between completely different characters wasted time and made little sense. I have to have a timeout on this one. Okay. Angela, I completely disagree. Murtaugh knows uh, your boy Fergus. They've had a history together. Yeah. And I actually like it that Marcelie just steps in. She know she knows Murtaugh. She knows all this stuff. It's fine. She, it, well, actually, she doesn't know Murtaugh, which that makes it even better. She don't even know this guy from a hole in the wall. She has ZFGs. And she knows her husband, and she loves her husband. She knows that there's a relationship there. You're going to help my husband out because that's what he needs. She and I'm pulled telling Alpha. You to do it. She was like, this is my house. Your boots are my blanket. Yeah, she I went know Alpha my man. Girl. So, oh, yeah. So I, I don't think that's a waste of time at all. I actually quite like that. Um, second, they manufactured this I can't find work as a cripple issue out of the blue just to make this storyline work. Firstly, have been there for nearly two years, and he was working for the printer just a couple of months ago. And third, and most importantly, it took valuable time that would have been much better served to fill in some of 75 or 80% of the dialogue they cut from Brie and Lord John. It seems quite a few people did not grasp all they needed to understand in this section, including you, Blake. I heard you mention one misperception in the After Dark episode, which you can find, actually, by the way, at OutlanticCastClan.com. Hey, hey, hey. And you mentioned another one in the podcast. Both items were crystal clear in the book, and many nuances and turns occur in this whole interaction between Bree and Lord John. It's actually one of my favorite dialogue scenes of the entire book. And you and other show watchers misconstrued it because they trimmed so many fantastic lines from this section. They took bare bones way too far. And some of your thoughts blew me away so much I had to run into the other room to quiz my husband regarding his perceptions. And while he wasn't as bothered as you were, Blake, he came away with some similar misperceptions. Like you, he did not clearly understand why she shifted gears. He took a guess and was off base a bit. As far as the playing with fire comment, my husband did not take it as negatively as you, but he also did not connect everything John meant by that statement. In the book, the dialogue made com- it, 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 the dialogue make the complexities intricately clear. 
And I immediately thought, wow, they really dropped the ball big time here. It's my favorite dialogue. It's long, but I, I, I practically know it by heart because I love it so much. It's hilarious as well. I would have much preferred a few more of those lines to clear up this very important start to Brie and John's unique friendship, rather than that regurgitated seam from a previous book to wedge in for Fursley and Murtaugh's offer. I think I will post a book excerpt from the Lord John and Brie with my deep dive for this episode. It just It's just too good not to. And Mary, I totally agree that this sex scene in the open with Lord John and the judge. There is no freaking way Lord John would be so indiscreet, especially in Jamie's aunt's house with his daughter in the house and John only there at the behest of Jamie. There is no way he would be so indiscreet and risk scandal for a booty call in those circumstances. So awkward. I had some issues with this episode. The opening shot bothered me too. And I was even disappointed with the bonnet stuff expected more of a stramash if you will the salvation of the episode for me was David Barry and the Jamie and Claire through line both were superb and she's thinking that she's got a four and a half Okay. On this one. Okay. Linda on OutlanderCastClan.com said, I agree with Angela on the Claire and Jamie sex scene being kind of lame. The conversation was great, but they were due for more on the sex part. It felt lazy, as you said, Blake. Almost a copy and paste from episode 401 in terms of the format. As Judy <laughs> pointed out, all the Jamie and sex scenes, Jamie and Claire sex scenes were disappointing this season. It seems the writing room is needlessly cutting their intimacy when it could be completely doable to keep it in via dialogue, camera angles, and facial expressions, which Sam and Kat do brilliantly. Blake, I also thought your technical lighting take to be very spot on. Thank I you. do picked up on that visual storytelling. It was done so deliberately and well. It beautifully navigated Jamie and Claire's conversation. Then another fade to black. WTF writers, I do Damn near pop a blood vessel yelling, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> At the TV. Oh, well, there's always the written word. Marvin, I got I to gotta know, do you feel like they're cutting uh, Jamie and Claire's uh, sexual sexuality out of this? Well, um, as someone that like has read the books, I mean, they had some pretty dang good sex in this book mm-hmm. that we have not been able to have right okay uh probably because it's cold when they film in scotland sure um, and you know they're filming intense well you know i doubt this, that they're filming intense by the way but still but still i don't know i mean i was fine with this one because i felt like it was claire having claire took the took the reins in this episode like jamie was as i said he looked like he was from culloden he looked so defeated so sad that i don't know if he was gonna get a i mean he could have gotten like this sudden rumpy pumpy uh, energy but i kind of felt like he was a silo little puppy and claire was like i'm gonna show you a good time you know and i, I kind of agree with you because there's a difference between angry sex yeah and like i love you let's make up sex yeah so there's, there's a difference like. there. But I agree. Um, has there been a lot of Jamie licking Claire's nipples this season? No. <laughs> Tastes like, che- or as big as cherries. <laughs> what are we doing? But there haven't been. I <laughs> Thank mean, God. I mean, there's Thank been nothing God. close to turtle soup. There's been nothing close to the wedding. There's been nothing close to the post-wedding. Or the one with the, 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 the knife on his throat. Or the, none of it. And it's like, these people... Mm. I will say that it's been a little bit more bland. Yeah. It's been a little bit more bland. And I wonder if they, I I wonder if there was a directive from the network or there was a directive from Sony to be like, hey, let's, 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 let's ring this one back in here a little bit. You know, why would he pump the brakes on the, the soft porn uh, here a little bit? I wonder if there was something there. Um, because you're right, there, there hasn't been as much intimacy in this, in this season. No cherry nipples. Thank God. Are you ready for the uh, voicemails? <laughs> yes. All right, let's do it. Hi, Mary and Blake. This is Marsha from Columbus, Ohio. Hi, Marcia. Hi. I'm a first-time caller, Yay! and I want to start off with um, a correction to your episode 10 feedback podcast. Okay. Crops and animals were thought of by Jamie. Um, I went back and watched, and yes, did the subtitles, Nerd Alert. Um, and he did mention that he would have... Um, Tom Burley looking on the animals. So on to episode 11. 4.8 is my kilt rating. The good My Girl Marsley standing by her man. We could definitely hang girlfriend. 
right? My bad is a tie. I don't like the twist in Murtaugh's plot line. I wanted him to live happily ever after with Jocasta. I don't feel that that's going to happen now. Um, my other bad is Aunt Jocasta. Ugh, your taste in suitors. Did anyone else's skin crawl? You don't have to be blind to know that those were not good picks for her niece, <laughs> for sure. And my great, Lord John saves the day. Don't we all want Lord John to come riding up on his white horse and rescue us? Yes, absolutely. Of course, a hetero version. And by the way, could have done without the the, the visual of him and uh, the uh, one of Bree's other suitors. So that's it for me. Have a wonderful day. Love you guys. Keep up the great work. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Masha. And since you called it out yourself, yes! you're welcome. There you go. You're welcome. Hi, Mary Blake. This is Sharon calling from Chicago. Hey, Sharon. I am going to give this episode a 3.5 kilts. Here is, here's the real question, Mary. Are you ready for this? You bet. The real question is, can Sharon keep her streak going? Can she keep the streak of outstandings going? I have faith. Let's find out. I feel it deserves that because the writing was so inconsistent. The editing was choppy. The direction was terrible. Um, so jumping right in. Uh, they made an unneeded crisis with Fergus. We already know how he feels about his hand and the conflict was resolved instantly and it provided nothing to the plot apart from making me cringe when Marsley said, I'll have a whole husband or none at all. That was a little, ugh, but thanks Marsley. Nice. Um, the arrest of Stephen B didn't work. Um, Stephen Bonnet has been all over Wilmington and everyone has seen him. Everyone knows him. The guy showing up with guns just as Murtaugh was trying to, uh, tie him up seemed contrived and now here we have another person in prison who will either need to be busted out or will be hanged and the psychology game that was beyond unneeded Bree didn't need to humiliate that man in front of the guest and it lent nothing to the scene right the scene of jocasta was way too long do we really need the altoid tin jewelry scene (laughs) and when did Bree become an artist the goofy looks between every single person at the party was really absurd, as with Rolo munching on Mr. Jabroni's corpse. Ew. <laughs> the yes. good was the conversation between Jamie and Claire and Roger running through the spanking machine. But why do we have to leave it there? I just didn't understand this episode. It made me really sad. Thanks, guys. Sharon? Oh, it made her really sad. That's deep, Sharon. Oh, that is deep. And I'll, I'm going to say this. The, the streak would have continued. It would have continued. You're off. You're out. You're out. You're only doing. You're only getting this. Bam! And you're not getting the outstanding because you made fun of my my favorite part of the episode, which is the well, you didn't make fun of it, but you called it out and you said you didn't like the whole Marcus part, and I loved the Marcus part, the one with the hand and the whole thing. I hear that, you. That's why. That's why you can't get you can't get the outstanding. You're so terrible. But I but I will say fantastic, excellent commentary on the episode. Hi, Mary. Hi, Blake. This is Bethany from Alabama. Hey, Bethany. Calling about If Not For Hope. I'm hoping that I can redeem myself back into the circle of trust (laughs) with my little nerdy comments that I'm going to make. We're going to see. Question mark, please. Question mark. (laughs) Um, So I was so, so stoked when I found out that Billy Boyd was coming on to the season, you know, the months before season four was actually coming out. Billy Boyd love him. Pippin was my favorite yes. Hobbit all throughout the Lord of the Rings series. Um, and I've read the Hobbit books. I've read Lord of the Rings books. I've seen the movies multiple times. So I'm a huge, huge Tolkien nerd. Tolkien, oh, what a dude. Anyway, <laughs> um, so poor Pippin. Pippin's little face when Brianna was like, I'm getting engaged to Lord John, actually, was so sad. Like, his yes. face, to me, mirrored Pippin's actual face yes. in um, Return of the King when Frodo was like, peace out, guys, I'm going oh, with Gandalf to the Undying Lands. And Pippin was sad, and Sam was sad, and Mary was sad, and they were all just sad. That is, like, the sadness I think he felt during that part was the same sadness that he felt when Bree was like, peace bro but anyway um and you guys oh my gosh we have two episodes left after this i can't believe it i'm not ready for droughtlander and droughtlander cast agree so sad anyway bye guys have a great week she's already crying she's already crying well bethany i will okay i appreciate you you, you can't you can't just have one phone call and get back into the circle of trust oh you, you can't ha- you can't just have one and stay and think that you're just I would say that you're a couple of steps closer. 
Okay, I appreciate you. I love the nerdiness of it all. Thank you very much. You're not in the circle of trust quite yet. Oh my goodness. You you didn't even cite Nirvana as good music. What are we talking about? (laughs) Play. We're closer. We're getting there. Good. Hi, Blake and Mary. It's Julie calling from Oregon. I give this episode four and a half kilts. My good was Myrta and Marsali. Love these two. What a beautiful, intimate, and well-written scene. My bad, I totally agree with my fellow tall girl, Mary. I'm six feet tall, Mary. I'm struggling with the um, Brie-Roger relationship, especially when compared to the instant intellectual and spiritual Mm -hmm. connection we saw between Brie and Lord John Gray. Yep. Season two, three, Roger, I felt like was calm, supportive, understanding, kind, and wise. Season four, Roger, not so much. Why? What do you guys think accounts for the personality change? Because their relationship seems shallow and fragile, you aren't devastated by them being apart like we have been every time Claire and Jamie have been separated. I almost don't care what happens to him. And I don't think season four Roger would accept Bree's pregnancy. And I do think season two, three Roger would. My great was Jamie and Claire's last scene. How Sam can hold buckets of water inside his eyeballs without a single tear leaking out is stunning. I am missing the lady-centered sex this season, if you know what I mean, but I loved the emotionality of their reconciliation. The viewer's investment in their connection, no matter what happens around them, never falters. P.S. You guys rock. Bye. Thank you, Marvin. Do you agree about uh, about season four, Roger, and that you don't care that if they get back together? Like, do you, like, do you, do you really not care about him? I care about him for sure, man. But that is it informed because of the books? Yes. I think I would agree with you. It's probably informed because of your book, Roger Love. I would say that in terms of the show, I think it's not working because they just haven't written a good relationship for the two of them. We haven't gotten anything from them. You can understand, I think it was Angela who said this a couple of episodes ago, you can understand all the crap that that, that Jamie and Claire have gone through because... They've invested time in those two, whether it's an argument or a fight or whatever. It was like you could see past it because you spent enough time with the good stuff with them. It's like, you know, when you when you when you if you're in a relationship and you're like, you know, we're going through uh, a season here. We're going through a season of of of, of roughness. Rough. It's, like, it's a little rough, you know, but you can always draw on the season of happiness. And you're thinking, you know what? It's okay. It's it may suck right now for a little bit. But just think about Boston cream pie. Yeah, that ain't enough. That's not enough of a season. That's like a day. That's like a day in a season. Crap. I want a full season of goodness, not just. I want some cherry nipples. <laughs> I want all the cherries all, all the time. All the turtle soup. <laughs> I want all the wedding. Hi, Mary and Blake. It is Jenny from Burbank. I love your show so much. Thank Thank you you so much for everything you do. Thank you. I really enjoyed this episode, if not for hope. I, uh, you know, I love them all. So they all get five kilts for me. Just like me. But uh, my GBG good is finally seeing lots of Fergus and Marsley needed to see them again. It's been a while. So I'm glad they got more of their storyline fleshed out. Uh, The bad was, not much of Roger, except seeing him at the very end going right? through that spank line with the, uh, the uh, mohawk. That was kind of distressing. Um, and then my great was the friendship that is developing between Bree and Lord John Gray. That was a very important part of the book. And I'm glad that they're taking that same direction. Loved it all. It was so good. Um, on a side note, um, they, they got me with the opening scene in Roger in the shower because I wasn't sure what was going to happen. And they got me there. And then uh, just love you guys. And now we know what uh, walking in the woods with Christ in a squirrel means. <laughs> Have a great one. Mark me. Bye-bye. Yay. Thanks, Jenny. 
Hi guys, this is Cheryl from Quincy, Massachusetts. Hey, hey Cheryl. I am giving episode 410 a 4.7 kilt. Ooh, nice. My good is how seamlessly Brianna inserted herself into 18th century society. She's just as outspoken as her mother, but she, you know, held her own in that in that environment. Mm-hmm. My bad is Roger in the shower. Uh, for a split second, as a book reader, I was like, what did the show change? Yes, yes. <laughs> Excuse me. And my great... Jamie, oh poor Jamie. Jamie, as a new dad, thinking it's all over, you could really see that he was experiencing the um, consequences of his actions. And you could just see it in every moment, every look, everything he said, every everything in his face. And, you know, he's feeling like, I just can't do it. I can't yep. be a dad. She doesn't yep. love me. She's so mad at me. And then, oh, Claire, Jamie, this is what being a parent is. She's going to forgive you. She yes. didn't mean it. It's okay. Jamie, you just see his shoulders lift and he's like, really? Oh my God. I loved that moment so, so much. Yes. Um, thanks guys. I love your podcast. Oh, you're the best, Cheryl. Cheryl. Thank you so much. We love you too. Thank you for listening. Hello from the Highlands of Scotland. It's Kirsten Lane here. Hey, Kirsten. You might take on the episode. While the Bobby Ewing-esque shower scene was a dirty trick... It's still good to see Roger in the same time period, though we'll never know if he really wanted to pop home for a warm shower and then return to the past. Also, if that's the Mohawk's version of a Soul Train episode, it's a bit harsh, like. (laughs) Bad. Lord John Grey. So where exactly is the best place for him to play his favourite game of Hide the Sausage? (laughs) Why, the pantry, of course. There's plenty sausages there. And another enthusiast. Judge Allardyce, it seems. I mean, it's not like they're likely to get caught or anything. The great. Jocastamatch.com. Excellent selection of preening suitors for Brie. The highlight being Lord John Grey's entrance like a luminous Lestat. Yes. And the side eye from the suitors who knew then it truly was game over. Poor Brie. Can't everyone at Riverrun just lie and say she's handfast to Roger and he's missing? It seems not. That's all for me. Cheerio. Just, I love Kristen. Kirsten. She's just to hide the sausage. It's the best. A pantry full of sausage everywhere. It's the best. Hi, Marion Blake. This is Sarah calling from Seattle. Hey, Sarah. I'm a first-time caller. I'd say that I'd love to hear that ding for first-time caller, you did. but I think I'm going to be talking about something a little too racy, and Uh-oh. you probably won't include it on the episode. Oops. Hold on. Well, we're including it in the episode, so I appreciate I you. I hope it's cherries. I, <laughs> all the cherries are sausage. Here we go. Uh, and thank you for even calling out your own ding, so you're welcome. Here we go. So, I want to talk specifically about two things about the love scene. Not sure. Sure. Lust scene between Lord John Gray and the judge. Okay. Which... First, I was really actually pretty happy that they um, changed it from a slave to the judge because that made it feel less like Lord John Gray was taking advantage of people who are already yes. really oppressed. Would yes. agree. So that's good. He found someone who's more on equal footing to have relations with, mm-hmm. and I appreciated that. Now, here's the part where mm, I'm getting kind of racy. Okay, here we go. Do you really think he would have been a top? <laughs> because oh my God, I love you. In my mind, when I was I thinking see the Lord same John- thing, I was thinking the same thing. Oh my God! <laughs> Mary came and came and contained herself right now. I was thinking the same thing with that matchup. I was like, oh, 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 oh you know, mm, good, good, good. <laughs> Strength, Sarah. Own it. It's already a Hall of Fame call. Already a Hall of Fame call. You're the best. John Gray looking at Jamie. I think he'd let Jamie do whatever yes. he wanted. <laughs> yes. So that's my other criticism for that. Otherwise, you know. Carry on. Uh, I'm all for it. And um, love love it all. And I love the podcast. So keep it up. Thank I'm you. I'm going to a patron. Someday soon. <gasps> All right. Thank you. Well, Sarah, you can't get an outstanding. You got cut off. That's that's the rule. No outstandings for oh cut gosh, off people. Blake, you're so mean. Hey, that's how it goes. These are the rules. I don't make them. I just live by them. You do make them. You're the, <laughs> the producer. But I, I will say, 
you're on you're on the way to being a Hall of Fame caller just for that phone call. So welcome to the club. I mean, the other guy did say that he dreamt of a squirrel. So what does what, what does that mean? Squirrels. I don't know. They're not very like I in that situation. Squirrels it, are not very dominant. Yeah. Had that guy been like, Oh, I dreamt of like a bear that I I don't know. I don't really know how it works. I don't know who gets to choose. <laughs> how do you figure that out? I don't know. Like do you have a conversation about it beforehand? Well, actually, yeah. Well my friend told me a little bit about it. You can like figure it out in the foreplay. Oh, okay. All right. It's kinda like someone takes the lead. Gotcha. It's like dancing. I mean, there's, just like there's, there's sex for anybody is. Sure, I mean, think okay. about it. Like, who wants to be on top? You figure it out, man. You figure it out. Someone claims it. And uh, you're like, it doesn't matter if it's male, female, female, female. Someone's on top. Female. Somebody. Someone's got to be on top. Somebody, you know, has the power move. <laughs> so Someone's got the power play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is what happens when we drink too much wine. <laughs> Hi, Mary and Blake. This is Claire from Lawrenceville, Georgia, commenting in episode 411. My kill rating is 4.5. This episode was good, but not great for the reasons you guys cited in your podcast. Thank you. Instead of a GBG, I'd like to say a few things in defense of Brianna. First of all, we need to remember she was raped not too long ago. And mm-hmm. apart from not wanting to marry Pippin or any of the other Motley crew, a bachelor's Jocasta assembled, she has to be terrified at the prospect of consummating a marriage. At this point, even sex with Roger would be difficult and she loves him. It makes sense for her to pursue Lord John Gray, not because he is so attractive, but because she assumes he is not sexually attracted to her. I also think her behavior at the dinner party was inspired by Jocasta's stories of Ellen and how much Brianna reminded Jocasta of her sister. I think Brianna tried to approach a dinner party as she thought Ellen might and let her guard down after getting a little bit drunk on some of the wine. It reminded me very much of her mother's behavior in season one after mm-hmm. having a bit too much Rhenish. Sassanach wasted. I also have an outlandish theory for you. Ooh. I think Claire will again encounter the Native American ghost that we saw earlier in the season who helped her find her way back to Jamie in their quest to find Roger. And whatever did she do with his skull? That's it for now. I hope I get an interesting. And thanks. Bye. Well, you, you, uh, Mary, is she going to get an interesting? I'm going to give you an interesting... You know what I'm going to do? Claire, excellent, salient points about Brianna. I, I Listen, I'm still not in love with the whole thing, but her idea of, of Ellen and trying to act mm-hmm. like that, you know, there's some layering there that it, it doesn't really necessarily come forth in the show, but if you care about the show and you, you think about it, you could see her wanting to act like that, and it's yeah. in her DNA to be like her mom. That's it, man. Excellent, That's it. excellent Love job, it. Claire. Wake a good job, Claire. Hey guys, this is Denise. I just finished listening to your podcast a little while ago, and I just wanted to bring up a couple of things. In the episode when Lord John Gray and Bree were having their conversation across the way from River Run, um, he says to her, "Let's sit," and it automatically shifts to them sitting on a bench and the, the camera is behind their back. And it was just a weird transition for me. I don't know if anybody else noticed that or not. It was a weird bit of editing for me. Um, Mary, yeah. in the podcast, she said something about Claire getting her ride on. Uh, well, I was listening to this at work and I couldn't <laughs> stop laughing. And um, people were walking past me, probably wondering why I was laughing, but that's okay. And the last thing I wanted to bring up is, Blake, yep. the last few podcasts I've noticed you've been breaking some rules. Uh-oh. The main one being, Blake will not sing on this podcast. Oh, yes. Not that it's been horrible, but it is a rule when you are breaking it. Yeah. But <laughs> anyway, <laughs> keep up the great work. I love listening to you guys, as always. And I'll see you real soon. Bye. So glad I got to make you laugh at work. That's like podcast goals. That's right. Denise, you Do you the... laugh while you drive? Do you laugh at work? Do you laugh when you're at the gym? There are times when like I'm in my office and I'm listening to podcasts or whatever, you know, somebody else, obviously. I mean, although I do listen to us incessantly because oh my I, God. I'm a dork. Guys, um, seriously, like I get into his car and we're going out on date night and what does he pull up? Outlander cast. Mary, I want you to listen to this. Listen. Like, I was there. <laughs> I did I, it. Yep. <laughs> 
Listen, it's not just about the fact that I'm <laughs> like egotistical. Like the winter, the winter. No, yeah, it's because I'm egotistical. Okay, no. I am, but it's not just about that. <laughs> <We> all know. <laughs> it's about self-assessing. No, I know you're very. He's very like critical about sounds and wants to make sure that our audio quality is of top notch. It has to be of top notch. Otherwise, what the hell are these people listening for? But I have for? no idea why. As soon as I get in the car, Mary, you gotta listen to this, Blake. It's not every time you're making it sound like every time you get it in my car. Pretty much is. No, every it's time not. I get, every time I get into your car, not my car, your car. No, you're we, like you need to listen. We to ex- we know exactly what song plays when we get in each other's both of each other's cars. Pardon me, are you Aaron Burr? Sir? <laughs> that depends. Who's asking? Well, sure, sir. Does yes. anyone else who has Hamilton on their iPod or iPhone? I mean, who even has an iPod anymore? That literally, because it's A A R O N, because there's two A's, it's the first alphabetical song in my iTunes library. Yeah, it's this song. And the kids know it because as soon as that lightning connector is plugged into my phone, New York York City. Pardon me. Are you Aaron Burr, sir? It's that, that double A. <laughs> if I had a song about aardvarks, A R. No. It would win. If I had a song about aardvarks, that would be Aaron Burr. Yes. But alas, we have this. And it's not even my favorite one. No. If it was like, it's one of my least favorite ones because I hear it every single day. Da 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 da. I think it's not your favorite because you hear it every day. Yes. Graduating to and join the revolution. He looked at me like I was stupid. Okay, you're not, I'm not supposed stupid. to sing. Denise so just called you, you out. How'd you, you graduate know, you're right. so fast? <laughs> it was my parents' dying okay, wish. Okay, we get it, Blake. <laughs> Sorry, I just I love myself some Hamilton. Yes. So we both are song. The first song is 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 Aaron Burr, sir. So uh, you know it is it is what it is, and, and and I quite like that. As a matter of fact, I'm quite happy about that. Can, can it be? Can, could it really be worse than listening to Hamilton? as the first time every time you get in your car. No, it could be worse. I could listen to an Aardvark song. <laughs> what 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 kind of Aardvark song are you gonna listen to? I don't know. Listen, man, I've got a lot of kid music in my library. You don't want to know what I what I've listened to. <laughs> All right, Marvin, are you ready to close this bad boy out? Song about sandpipers. Sandpipers. You know, li- you know Sorry, it. I'm not allowed to sing. It's but commandment you know number the four. Sandpiper song. I do, and that's unfortunate. <laughs> that song sucks. <laughs> doesn't it's actually beautiful no it's it sucks <laughs> got you i got you music together all you parents out there know exactly what we're talking about <laughs> all right for now we're gonna close out the show all right let's uh oh you know what all right all right all right time between now and the finale is if you enjoy this show if you're an active listener and you are down with it to leave us a written review in your podcast app of choice it just honestly takes a couple of minutes if that maybe even one minute but to leave a written review like in itunes for example like muggle dc or desi muggle desi said love your podcast and i love your accents too thank you muggle you're desi. a wizard harry seriously hash just hashtag HP for life, my friend. HP for life. And as you get to hear in this episode, joining the Patreon community at OutlanderCastClan.com is Hi-oh. where it's at. You get extras. You get giveaways. You get behind-the-scenes stuff. You get access, first and foremost, to all of these things. So thank you to everyone at OutlanderCastClan.com, all of our patrons. Honestly, you make this possible for as little as $2 a month. That is cheaper than getting a cup of coffee. You help keep this going. Uh, we we really honestly could not do this without you. It has meant the world to us. We want to really thank our exi- our associate producers, Angie, Carolyn, Celine, Cheryl, Dawn, Diane, Heather, Jennifer, Larissa, Lauren, Linda, Marilyn, Mary, Michelle, Michelle, two Michelles now as our uh, <laughs> associate producers, Patricia, Siobhan, and Summer, as well as our co-producers, Barbara, Carolyn, Christina, Dana, Dieta, Janet, Jenny, Keelan, Kirsty, Lisa, Liz, Marianne, Meredith, Raynal, Rita, Sharon, Sue, Tara, and Tina. And last but not least, our amazing executive producers, Anne, Bobby, Jen, Katie, Martha, Peg, and Sarah. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. You guys rock my socks. You guys all just make it work. Seriously. You make it work. Hey, listen, for those of you who are listening to this right now, don't forget, we are doing the preview for the next episode after all of this is all said yes. and done. 
once the music ends, we will get into the preview because we don't want to spoil anybody that doesn't want all the spoilers, right? Uh, am I, am, and am I we also haven't wanted it to influence what we thought of the next episodes with the outlandish theories and all of that. Right. So this is what we're going to do. And you want to know the crazy thing? What's we get crazy? to do this one more time. Yeah, you're right. We get to do this one more time. It's only one more time. I can't. Although I wonder if they'll have a preview of the following season like they did last season, if you remember that. Remember they had the preview of Jamie and the whole thing and the carriage and they were, they were on I the way. Um, I doubt it. I don't know if they're filming right now. I don't think that they're filming right now season season five. Uh, I don't think that they are. Well, let's close out the show so we can get to the trailer. All right, let's get it done. All right, Marvin. Okay. All right, so every, anybody that's listening right now, here's your last chance to stop this bad boy, okay? If you want to hear the preview for the next episode, now's your time. All right, Marvin, you ready? Can you make it big screen so I can see it? Uh, you make it on the side so tiny screen. All right. Uh, here, here we go. go. Here, here we go. go. Ready? Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. So loud. That was loud, sorry. Like stars. Why would you use such an abrasive sound? Daughter, can I see if I shall see you again? Oh. I've been thinking about your question of whether revenge would heal the wrong, Bunty. I advise you now that you must not seek it. Freedom is hard won, but it's not the fruit of murder. Your loving father, James Fraser. Ooh. Okay. Intense music. All the guns. All the guns. All right. All right, let's break this down. Let's do it one more time. Okay. Oh my gosh, that's like Harry Potter. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We gotta... Okay, good. That's all right. Stop there. What is that little spookiness? Was that Raya? I know that sounds like stock music to me. That's stock music. They're like, let's do something suspenseful. All right, so we got we got we got a couple of things here. I want to note. First, we have uh, Roger going through the line, uh, and looks like he's going to get smoked by one of the Mohawk. Okay, cool. I mean, let's be real. What else happens to Roger in season four? He's just going to get smoked by (laughs) everybody. Smacked by Bree. Smacked by Jamie. Smacked by. All the, all the Mohawk. All right, so we have that, and then we have Jamie obviously reading the letter uh, that he wrote to Brianna. Which I'm really happy about. I, I, it, it sounds like a great framing device mm-hmm. for the whole episode. I agree. Uh, there also seems to be a little bit of uh, cool stuff happening with Brianna. It almost seems she like... She's a little cranky. It almost seems more like there's this part with her, she's kind of it's close up on her face, and she's walking down the hallway. Mm. That f- does not feel to me like uh, River Run, Let's where, see she, it again. where she Pull is. Pull back up. Let me see. Uh, so we're gonna have to see where. Uh, so now we can comment, and okay. we'll see what happens. Okay. Can you make it large screen? You made it small again. Well, I gotta see the the level. Can I see if I shall see you again? Press pause. I've been thinking. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. So, so she's with Lord Lord John. And is Lord John reading his letter, or is he reading her letter? Uh, no, he's not. No, she has the letter. She remember she opens it. No, at, I know, but like Lord John in this episode is holding his. So he is he telling like is this just a Jamie voiceover? And is Lord John being like, just so you know, this is what your dad wrote me? Or does Bree give Lord John this letter and says, look at what my daddy wrote? Uh, not my daddy, my good, da, my da. Good question. Good question. Someone needs to zoom in on that and find out if it says if it says something like yeah. you know whatever. Okay. Thinking about your question of whether revenge would heal the wrong, Bunty. I advise you now. Ooh, okay, ooh, all right. Okay. So, here, so the, here's so the scene the Jamie, that I'm talking about. The Jamie and Claire in the woods. Whatever. Ian, we've okay. seen that a million times. Okay. Bye, Ian. But this is what. <laughs> but this is what I'm talking about. Here's the one with with Bree in like this hallway. It's dark. You know, it torches. is dark. You know, there's some there's some woodworking there. It's not torches. You know what? It it's, could be candles. Could it, it be? Sounds like could it be rumpy pumpy time in the in the little. You know, linen closet time. Could this be nighttime again uh, in River Run? Let's, let's, let's this. See. You know what? Now that I look at it the second time, this does look like River Run. It let's looks like it the main. It looks like the main hallway of River Run. I mean, you can't tell. It's just little blurry candles. Although there's like this door here that's like it looks like a I jail. Can't tell. <gasps> she looks crabby. How can you think that that looks like a jail? It's literally three buka lights. It's like buka. Uh, uh, you know Boke. what? We're gonna watch it again then. Okay, here we go. Okay. Yeah. Is she the same outfit? I've been thinking about your question of whether revenge would heal the wrong bunty. Okay. All right, so th- this, this is obviously a door with bars on it, okay? Hey, how can you even see that? All right, right there. Th- this is a door with bars on it. Ooh. All right, a door with bars and lights, and it's dark, all right? There's no way. We already seen a scene 
with Raja in some kind of jail cell. This is her going to see Raja. She's got some traveling outfit on or whatever. She yeah, it's not a hussy outfit. This it's not, no it's hussy not a pie this hussy. Is, I'm is, trying to marry Pippin. This yeah, no no. Pip, Pippin has got nothing this to do with this. This is not a Jocasta Pippin's out. outfit. I'm out on Pippin. Okay, here we go. As you know that you must not seek it. Freedom is not oh. one, but it's not the fruit of murder. Okay. Okay, freedom is not one, but it's not the fruit of murder, okay? So, you see, now Roger, oh, or no, 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 it wasn't Roger in the jail cell, it's her going to see Stephen Bonnet. That's what it is. How the heck? And she's going to she confront getting... him and say, "You suck, bro. I'm better no. than you." That's no. what it is. That that's exactly what it is. It was the hair that got me confused for Stephen Bonnet <laughs> and Roger. But this is Stephen Bonnet. He's in the jail cell. She's going to see him. Oh God! Boom! That's what it is. Your loving father, James Fraser. Okay. Plus, Fergus has his game face on. Okay. Did you just see him marching like he was Zac Efron in High School Musical with his booze? <laughs> Get on. No. What, what's, what, what is it? Get your bet head in the it, game. Bet on it. No, that's, bet his, on it. that's the Zac Efron solo song. Okay. I'm talking, get your, get your head in the game. Okay, get right. your, that's what, that's what uh, Fergus <laughs> is doing. He's getting his head in He's the game. He's getting his head in the game. Oh, oh, what was that? That was Roger running in the woods. Oh, with like a little band-aid on his arm. Yes, yeah, so, so he obviously he must kind of escape somehow, okay. perhaps. And Murtaugh looks praying. like he's praying. Okay, here we go. Oh, what was that? Wait, hold hold on. There's a bunch of guns pointing at somebody, that, but there's no clue as to who it is. Go back. I want to see what color hair they have. There's no... All right, here we go. Your loving father, James Fraser. Oh, it's two people they're holding up. Oh, okay. Uh, so it can't be Murtaugh because there's no white hair. I mean, you can't tell they're all wearing. And you know, it's, you know what it is. It's a bunch. Of, it's a bunch. It's a bunch of regulators because they have like that Scottish style uh, hat. Is it Brian? Is Brian in there? I bet Brian's in there. Uh, I don't know who. Brian ho- from the pub. Oh yeah, you know Brian. Yeah, Bri- yeah Brian from the pub. Okay, yeah. I, I get you. I got you. <laughs> I know I got you. I appreciate I know you. you. Do. He always wears that hat. All right. So yeah, it, it looks okay, like a so bunch regulators, of regulators holding. Maybe the reg. Oh, there it is. Regulators break out Murtaugh. That's what. Oh my it gosh! Is. I hope so. That's how they do it. That the regulators break him out. Oh oh, and then Roger just gets beaten up. Like oh wait, was that Roger? That was Roger. That Are you was sure Roger. That wasn't the, Claire. No, it was Roger with the mohawk. Look at that coat. That looks like the no, coat it was, that Claire it was wears. Roger. I promise you, it, Claire's not going to be with the mohawk. And the mohawk are going to freaking smoke Claire like that. No, that was Roger. It better that was, not. That was towards the end of the whole line thing. That's how that works. Okay. So, uh, there you go, right. ladies and gentlemen. Sorry for that was so long and like, we totally bit that by piece by piece. But we only have one more of these. So, we want so to it's, save it was worth every it. moment. It was worth it. All right, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Mary. My name's Blake. And this is OutlaterCast. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.